0: The Gospel according to John, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus said, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like that ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this teaching is difficult, who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are Spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe, and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, For this reason, I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. Please allow me a moment before we unpack today's Gospel together to share my gratitude to this community in Christ for your ongoing support of my seminary journey. Seminary studies are only possible for us who say yes to this particular call of God through the generosity shown in emotional support, prayer, and financial resources of communities like this one. On behalf of myself and my sons, Ricky and Paul, we thank you for assisting me in my seminary travels. Once upon a time, before my household's health and well-being required a shift to eating completely gluten-free, I baked wheat bread from scratch finger warm water woke the tiny granules of yeast up into a bubbling mess in my mixing bowl. Salt and a wee bit of sugar fed this growing yeast. Flour, fine white or rye or whole wheat, melded in with the yeast and liquid. Mixed at first by a wooden spoon, just like my grandmother did. Before set to rise for hours on the stove top, the dough oiled and covered with a damp dishcloth. A yeasty, doughy, yummy smell permeating our home. Like many of my ancestors, my bread's rise was long, eliminating the need for a second rise. A waste of time. I was told by one family member when first learning about bread, which often resulted in my risen dough pouring over the edges of my mixing bowl, making flouring the top a bit complicated, but never hard for my children to punch down with great abandon. An hour or so later, dough kneaded and baked, bread came out of our oven, me spreading butter all over the top, watching the butter change from solid to liquid <laughs> as it cascaded down the bread side, bread steaming it broken open, eaten piece by piece even if it burned our lips a bit. Two loaves gone before bedtime. A day's work no longer evident except in the glowing faces of my family. Bread since ancient times has been equated with feeding, feeding life. And there's an awful lot of bread in chapter 6 of the Gospel of John. This chapter opens with five barley loaves of bread, turning into enough to feed 5,000 people plus 12 baskets left over. The next day, Jesus tells this crowd still following him, I am the bread of life, which causes complaining and grumbling about those listening to him, to which Jesus responds for the first time in this chapter, but not the last, by differentiating the bread he speaks of From the manna God sent, God's people, as they wandered in the desert. Jesus' teaching causing much arguing and discussion, especially when Jesus has the audacity to take it one step further. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, he says in verse 54. And again, in verse 56, we hear the words, Drink my blood. Words hard to swallow literally, then, and even in our modern ways of thinking. Words often off-putting to those living outside are carefully built Christian walls. Jesus' words sounding a bit like cannibalism or God-eating but perhaps the crowd following Jesus right about now in the telling of our story as Christians objects less to these cannibalistic overtones in Jesus' words and more to Jesus' offensive use of blood in his words and teachings. Blood in ancient times of God's people is sacred, It signifies life, and as the Old Testament chronicles, the Israelites followed many, many laws regarding blood. And one of those laws is that God's people do not drink blood. Yet, if anyone of the house of Israel or of the aliens who reside among them, any blood i will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut that person off from the people for the life of the flesh is in the blood these are god's words recorded in the old testament book of leviticus chapter 17. seems like jesus in his teachings goes too far this time many in the crowd leave jesus after following him for days having listened to him, learned from him, been fed by him with bread. Turned back, our translation tells us, the ancient Greek literally meaning here to walk behind, no longer walking with Jesus, instead distancing themselves from the son of Joseph, who dares defy God's ancient laws. Now only the twelve remain, the chosen twelve. And Jesus wants to know, wants to know if they too will leave, turn away, because Jesus seemingly has spat on God. So Jesus asks, what about you? Are you leaving too? And here's where Simon Peter speaks for himself and the others. Claiming Jesus as God's Holy Son for himself, for the other 11 left, and even for us now. Peter says, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy words heard today, and often as we stand each week claiming once again God as our God and the gospel stories as the word of God, the word living through Jesus while combining with our own stories, words claiming both our legacy and our responsibility as Christians. Peter chooses to remain with Jesus, and the eleven also choose to remain with Jesus, (laughs) abiding in Jesus, and Jesus abiding in them, leaving us to wonder why. When the crowd leaves, why do these few remain? I think Peter looks past. Jesus's cultural and religiously controversial statements regarding blood. I think Peter begins to see a bigger picture than just keeping God's laws by rote. Peter understands Jesus's teachings begin and end in love, and that this love lives inside him now and also inside the other 11. Peter comprehends he remains in Jesus, and Jesus remains in Peter. And therefore, God remains in Peter, and Peter remains in God. And by abiding in Jesus and God, God's Spirit gives Peter life. Back in the days when I baked bread for my family, I was also a practicing early child development specialist. For years, I studied how young children, beginning at birth, grow and learn. And I was always fascinated by how young children develop their emotional lives. Through the works of theorists such as Jean Piaget, Lev Vygotsky, and Daniel Stern, I discovered how we, as human beings, learn to love. Because love, my friends, is taught. Action, by action, by repeated action. So here's the basic framework for developing our capacity to love. You might think of it as creating a human internal operating system. I call this an H-I-O-S. An infant is born, and we hold that infant close about a foot away from our face, and that infant gazes up at our really large head, because our heads are really gigantic from an infant's point of view. But our faces fascinate baby, and baby quietly gazes at our big face. This behavior is called attending in my former field. Baby attends and we return the attention. And in this exchange, something beautiful begins to happen. So that when baby appears to smile, we are overjoyed. And smile back with big smiles and wide eyes and open mouths and high-pitched murmurs. And we fall for this tiny creature in our arms. And inevitably, someone in our life says, Oh, baby's just passing gas. (laughs) But it doesn't matter. Baby's smile hooks us in, catches us in a web of a new relationship, ensuring we will do our job as baby's caretaker. So when baby fusses, we quickly go down the mental list. Is she hungry, wet, sleepy, too hot, too cold? Until we figure out what baby needs right now, and we meet those needs. And we do this again and again, over and over, day after day, month after month. And these seemingly small moments of engagement while meeting baby's basic needs, become larger, and more complex, and more playful. And in all these moments of meeting baby's needs, both physical and emotional love, love is truly born. Love is born inside baby and between two human beings. Because you see, when we meet baby's needs consistently, We are feeding baby love. And this love is internalized by baby. It's gulped, it's swallowed, eaten, absorbed, one human being to another, resulting in love growing in and through both people. Because love, my friends, is never a solitary achievement, and in this growing exchange, this developing relationship between baby and their adult, love abides in each of them. And over time, this love remains, regardless. So when Peter asks in our story today, where can we go? Peter cannot fathom leaving this love he shares with Jesus, with God, and the other 11? Not yet. Similar to when our young children tell us they want to live at home with us forever. And we know in a few years' time they will itch to spread their wings out into the world. Flying away from us while we remain, swallowing tears of joy and not ready to leave. The eleven are not ready to leave. Not yet. (laughs) Maybe not even Judas. And we all know Peter and most of the others will be forced to leave. Peter will go, and with God's Spirit guiding him, Peter will do God's work in the world. But by then, his internal operating system of God's love through Jesus will be very well developed. So much so, he will be able to build God's love with and within others. Similar to our children growing up into parents, teaching and perpetuating love with their own children. Now, there are some among us right now who are ready to leave the comfort of being well-fed in this place, Filled up with God's love through Jesus here, fueled for the journey ahead here, well prepared for feeding God's eternal love and life to others outside our walls. And there are also some among us right now who need more time here, growing God's love within themselves and for others, just like Peter does right about now in our story today. But the goal, like our parental goal of eventually launching our children into young adulthood, remains our call by God to all Christian communities. A call which eventually means leaving these carefully constructed walls of our community's home and venturing outside into the rest of the world, the rest of God's creation to go and do likewise, as Jesus commands in another story involving blood, that of the Good Samaritan. All of us, however, have the luxury of returning here or to another Christian community once a week or so to refuel for a time on God's love through our sacred meal of grace and through our relationships with one another then once fed, again, and forgiven, again, returning to the world, our internal operating love system strengthened through this family reunion of sorts, one reminding us God's love remains in us, and we in God, both here and wherever we go, Amen.